Welcome to Beautiful Ghosts, a podcast about life, about discovering what is beautiful within us and seeing the true value of things beyond what they appear to be. Join Mariana, Nico and Pablo in the chase for Beautiful Ghosts. Hello, beautiful listeners. Today we have a very special episode. Our first guest ever came to chat with us. We started talking about why we do or don't share our feelings with others. Is it always good to share them? Then we moved to vulnerability, touched on difficulty of men to open up, lifetime awareness, shadows, dualistic mind, midlife renaissance, and many, many more. Join Nico, Mariana, and Pablo, and Phil in this memorable episode. Welcome to Beautiful Girls, first episode with one special guest. Now, for everyone to know the rules, we don't need to know about your past lives or what you do. The important thing is you are a human, a man of certain age, and that's all. Good. And your name is Phil. And, and my name is Phil. Phil. Felipe. Yes. Felipe. 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 Yes. Yes. And, and, and I'm Pablo. And... <laughs> and I'm Mariana. Mariana, Nico. Nico. Good. I saw your first episode. It was wonderful. You, you three have such a lovely energy. And, uh, and Mariana particularly, you're so damn honest. You really keep it real. Thank you. <laughs> And, and I love how Pavlo and uh, Nick don't get defensive I when know. you arrive at with them. They, they just rise to it and, mm, and give you an honest answer. It's pretty impressive. There's not many well, friendships in that, in that category. Well, today it's your turn, Phil, oh, to raise up to the challenge. <laughs> no, I'm not sure I'm, I'm up to it. Don't be scared. Don't <laughs> We feel we we are going to be honest. Yesterday we no on Friday we said okay maybe we should you know think what we going to ask you yes. know for, for for all of us to say things. Yes. But then I thought okay men are majority in this in this conversation. Yes. And so we thought it will be quite cool if you start. <laughs> um. Maybe, <laughs> whatever you feel. If you want. But, but the, the question is, when, when, when was like your awakening uh, regarding feelings and open up with others? And why did you have to do it? Or if it was, <laughs> there was a specific thing that happened or one day at 16 you thought, Sharing my feelings is the answer for happiness, or something like that. I don't know. And also, the second part is why do you think that people uh, don't share their feelings as well? Well, well, wait. Are we assuming Phil? It seems that they know you better than than I do because it seems they assume that you open and share your feelings. I don't know. No, no, we're just asking. Maybe he oh, shares, okay. maybe he doesn't. So mm. just asking the question. Thank you. Um, big questions. I know. And perhaps I'll start by saying that I'm not entirely convinced that sharing your feelings is always the best thing to do. Good point. Um, we all like authenticity. But sometimes it, it can be quite self-indulgent. I need to share with you what's on my, what I'm feeling, you know, without considering the effect that sharing our feelings may have on that other person. That, that is, that, that's good that you're saying that because that is how I feel about, you know, I don't know, how you say it, Anglo-Saxon culture is a little bit that yeah. they, you know, my best friend is, is a Kiwi man and, and he's like, oh, no, I will never share like that because maybe they think I'm all up about myself or in, in Latin countries, you fucking go and say it. 
Yeah. And then the other one answers and gives the opinion. And if they don't like it, they walk off. <laughs> so, so you think that people are sharing their feelings because they want to, I don't know, impress or they might impress someone or they're thinking about themselves rather than sharing like uh, through honesty on real, being real. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I... <laughs> I'm married a Latin, so I, I know a little bit about Latin women. <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and um, I'm a little bit su suspicious also of those caricatures we have of, of culture. You know, all, all Latins are demonstrative and outgoing and expressive and extroverted, and all Anglo-Saxons are withdrawn and in their heads and can't share their feelings. And there's a certain truth to it, but it's, a, it's not of huge help because as we all know, there's so much variation within each culture. Yes, completely. There's so much variation within each gender. Yeah. That, you, that, that there's very little you can say that's actually of much help. There's so much variation within each person. There's no, so much variation within <laughs> some days some days I'm really to ready to pour my heart out and some days I feel very insecure and I just feel like crawling into my shell and not talking to anyone. And some days and maybe it's not based on insecurity, sometimes I think it's right just to shut up and be silent in front of whatever is in front of you. Let me give you an example, um, if I may share, and I'm not going to name names, but a very close friend of mine uh, was just diagnosed with stomach cancer a couple of days ago. What mm. can one say that's, that's, mm. that's not coming from my own <clears throat> need to want to be, express my concern for that person, you know? Fuck what they think, you know, about me. Where are they? Mm. And, and, and it's very hard to know what to say in that situation or what that person wants or needs. And I've, and I've tried to gently just suggest I'm here and I, I'd like to talk or I'd like to just be silent with them. And, and they have come back and said they appreciate it, but they're, spending time with their children. Um, but, but so getting back to your question, feelings. Um, I have, I've, I've never been <laughs> that one to hide my feelings. I'm, I'm one of those unfortunate people who find it difficult to mask what I'm truly feeling. Um, mm. I am by Anglo-Saxon standards, I suppose, quite, quite expressive, quite open. Mm. Well, yes, yeah. Um, but I don't see that as necessarily, certainly not any better and not necessarily the right thing to do in every situation. But, but, but don't you think there is a parallelism between bottling up all the shit and alcoholism? And you cannot say that, I'm not, you know, in Latin countries, the alcoholism is, is, is growing. Latins are not what they used to be for 40 years ago. You know, the whole globalization of, you know, people being sleepy and desperate is, is happening everywhere, right? Like, it's, there's almost no culture. But however, we, you know, us, we live here and we still see all this stuff you know for us to talk about freud or go to a psychologist or fuck i need to talk to you because i feel really bad is normal and natural you know and i just don't see that like that much in in this country however i see a lot of the drinking and i don't want to fucking feel this shit so you know it, it's generalizing again but you know you know that that's happening here, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for raising that. I, I am, and Nick is also part of a, uh, of a men's organization called Essentially Men that's 
trying to address that very issue of, of men uh, becoming isolated when the shit hits the fan, um, men often go into their caves and try to deal with it alone instead of sharing with a friend or, or yeah, another man because I suppose for various reasons we've been raised not to be vulnerable. Okay, when you say we, are you saying New Zealanders or men in general? I, I was speaking generally of men. I think mm. it's probably true, certainly in Latin culture, again, speaking very generally and as a yes, caricature. Yes. Latin culture, you would say, is even more so that machismo culture that men are required to be the tough guy, you know. Macho. Macho, betting women, not caring, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and in one sense, I suppose, the, the certainly New Zealand men don't tend to have the same machismo culture that, that Latin culture has. Um, but nevertheless, we still, as you know, we have an incredibly high suicide rate in this country amongst men. Um, and it's hard to pinpoint why that is when in many other ways we're so blessed as a nation, so much resources. But uh, part of the problem, I think, is that men tend to go inward when... Yeah, no, no sharing. There is no sharing. They don't feel safe. And, and, and part of this organization that I belong to is to encourage men to have a safe space where they're allowed to be vulnerable, where, where they can share their feelings. I know, but the, this, is the, this is the problem I see. Like, not many are going to know about that, the existence of this organization. I, I'm just talking about the everyday, like, fuck, a guy doesn't have a friend that he can call and says, fuck, uh, I feel like shit. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. That doesn't happen only with men. Eh? It's not easy. It, oh, no. Uh, it's, I think it's general. That's, that's what I wanted to say to Phil. <clears throat> it happened to me and I'm open and I, you know, it was really hard to find friends here. Yeah. You know? And I was going to say something on what you were saying before, Phil, um, that I think when you're saying that it's not always that you are open, sometimes you feel you're more, you try to just be silent. And I think the difference is when you stop and think, how do you feel? And then act in consequence. I think sometimes the problem is uh, even sharing too much, expressing too much their feelings, if you are not making that decision conscious, it's pretty much the same, but on the opposite side of the street of closing down and not sharing, which is really hard because you need to be present in that moment. As example that we were saying with your friend with, with cancer, you have to stop and wait, pause and say, okay, you know, that day will be behind and then see what was required for, what was the best for, for your friend. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of awareness. Yeah. That's true. To be a listening presence for someone is one of the greatest acts of love you can give them, I think. And, I, and, I, and yeah. much underrated. I, I notice a lot how starving people are when I ask someone that I don't know, like, hey, uh, I don't know, like, uh, or something. Yeah. They cannot believe I'm asking that. Yeah. And they, they start to open up slowly, and then after 15 minutes that they warm up, they are quite Latin to me. They, they just open up and stuff. And, and I'm sure. like, wow. And yeah. some people said, oh, I haven't said this to anybody. And I'm like, what the fuck? What yeah. do you mean? You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just because people are not or interested. I, I'm really interested in all of this. I think it's the answer to so many things, just to feel connected more, you know? Absolutely. And, and one of the big things we stress uh, in, in these men's groups where you basically just listen to people, is to listen without trying to fix, mm. to listen without trying to judge and correct. You know, because if, especially men, I don't know about women, I presume they're much the same, but if men feel that if they open up and someone's going to try and fix them, 
Mm. I don't wanna, it's not what I'm sharing this with you. I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to, at, at least yes. at first, listen, hear what I have to say, take me seriously. I want to feel understood. And there's there's, there's a fix. huge healing just in that. But the yeah. problem is there's not much rehearsal uh, for, for, you know, for Kiwi men or woman to actually talk about themselves for a long period of time. In Argentina, there is, you know, one psychologist per four people. And we are used to paying someone to say, can you listen to my shit? Fuck, this is not working. And, da -da -da -da. and then you go to a cafe to talk to your friends about what you discuss in decision. That is unheard of here. And that, I think that's, that's huge. What is unheard of? Going to cafe to, to share your issues with someone? Or going to a psychologist. Oh, no. I, it's probably not the same prevalence as in Argentina, but it's becoming more common here. It's, I think for a lot of people, it's a question of cost. It's quite expensive, you know, 200 an hour yeah, or whatever they charge. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's as... as my wife, who's a clinical psychologist, says, you know, I'm often ministering to the worried well. Mm. Um, whereas people who really need it can't afford it. And I, I un wrong. don't understand why it's not subsidized, but when someone goes really depressed to a GP, they give very straight away that fucking pill. Everyone gets that pill and it's so scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One, I think, oh, sorry, Phil. No, you go, Pablo. Oh, just, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, hearing all this and, and remembering my experiences. I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those Argentinians that wouldn't open up. And that, you know, it took me, it took me ages uh, to, to be able to open up. And um, one of the reasons I think is first you have to find someone. You say you, you were talking about paying a psychologist, but why would you need to pay a psychologist unless you're looking for a solution? If you just need someone to listen, if you have a, someone, if you know someone who's going to listen, then, and, and I think not everyone has someone they can talk and that they're going to listen. And I remember... Uh, being in a student residence and uh, b being in love with a girl and just, you know, ha having to talk to someone about it. And one of my friends and I tell my friend and later on this friend ends up trying to, to court this, this girl. And I'm like, oh, what, oh, what, oh what the God. heck? <laughs> you know? It's like, you're kidding me. <laughs> oh, no. So, so and, and I think that's one of the reasons why men maybe are a bit more uh, close because, you know, men are a bit more competitive. And, you know, I go and tell a friend that this happened to me and they, say, and they go, oh, this is a good challenge for me. I am going to get her. <laughs> you know? like, and, yeah, that was a bad experience, but yeah. Right. Yeah, very bad. And, and I don't know if, if there's a bit of that happening. Uh, yes, uh, I think no, you need to feel, you need uh, sometimes with, uh, I have a friend that, uh, I am quite open and he was, it was not that close. And I started to be more uh, vulnerable to him. And when I started doing that in the beginning, we were like not competing, but it was like, I can feel that, I don't know, there was uh, tension or who is better at this or that. And once I opened up myself with him and told him, I don't know, I, I have no idea what I'm doing with this thing. Uh, he started to open up and then we developed this amazing friendship that it's lasting. It's Absolutely. For, it and that's a, that's a gift when, <clears throat> when someone has the courage to be vulnerable with you and be human, be real. Suddenly that everyone can relax. Yeah. Yes. yes because, yes. oh my God, I don't have to put up this pretense yes, that I've got exactly. it all together and, you know, this person here has the courage to be real in front of me. Oh, my God, I can be real with them. But, Philip, where does that come from, this thing of that we have to be this persona and then if someone is real, then everyone relaxes? Why is everyone actually living in a fake mode? Like, it's the automatic fake mode that I don't get. 
Like, I know it's happening. You see social media, like, ah, I'm living the best life ever. Like, I know it's happening. But why is that? Where did they come from? Well, I'm not an expert, but I know a little bit about Jung to know that he said, we all put on this persona um, from which we get the word personality, mm. which is from Greek plays where they put on this mask. <laughs> That's true. Um, mm. and, and, and in Jungian terms, he would say, <clears throat> we put on this persona to express to the outside world who we are, but it actually acts as a mask of who we are. And what's really going on <laughs> inside us are deep subterranean um, desires, um, feelings that we're almost afraid of looking into. The shadow, as he calls it. The ghost. The, the ghosts. The ghost. That's my beautiful ghost. <laughs> and the art in life is to try and reconcile your conscious side with your unconscious shadow yeah. and thereby heal both and integrate both. And, and, then how, you, and then you can drop the mask. And how do you do that? Like, do you have practices every day that you do to like be friends with your shadows or what is what you do? Um, well, I think a starting point is to have good friendships, mm. good friendships that you feel safe with and you feel secure and you can be real with. Yeah. And if you have at least a core of those sorts of relationships in your life, it allows you to take risks with a wider group of people. You can always come back to your core group of friends. Yeah, that's true. And you can be yourself. Mm. <clears throat> um, but of course, the other, it's, it's a, it's a never ending process yeah, of never. observing, uh, observing yourself and how dark stuff comes up and noticing it. That's, that's the first thing yeah. to notice. Oh my God, I, I so reacted there. Where did that come from? Why, why am I so defensive about that? You know, it's interesting what you're saying because I just had a chat with a friend that is, you, you can see that she's starting in this process and her first reaction once she, once she realizes all, uh, one of her ghosts is um, starting to blame her, feeling bad about herself. So it takes a lot of courage because first you need to acknowledge all, all, that, all that ghost and then as you were saying, uh, be friends with that ghost and say, okay, you know, I will get better, it will get better, but uh, a huge thing of all this process is to be a compassion, self-compassion. Yes. yes, 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 yes. And it's not all, your shadow is not all dark, <laughs> not all evil. Um, it's just stuff that you're unwilling to confront. There's a... There's a lovely story about uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and their search for the Holy Grail. And um, where do they start on the search? And the answer is each, each knight must start at that place in the forest he finds the darkest. <laughs> mm, that's a good one. Yeah, isn't that cool? Mm. So that's a good place to start. But I, I hear what Nick just said about not, you know, you can't beat yourself up that you are, that you are flawed and um, weak and have huge areas of shame. And this is, this is part of what it means to be human. I know, but because of all this fake shit that we see around exactly. and all these people exactly. that we see with masks, then you go, Am I, I'm the only one. Exactly. I'm the only one that has something wrong because the rest look happy and like, oh my God, I'm living the best life. That's right. So th that's, th right. that's where all this sort of bullshit yeah. comes to, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just, well, um, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, you go. No, you go, Pablo. No. Um, when I, I want to mention, because you mentioned having a good group of friends is a, is a 
you know, is this one of the starting points in being able to open open up and be vulnerable and be real. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder whether, well, first, is there a difference there? Um, is like, would you say that because we were talking about differences in cultures, would you say that maybe in some cultures um, these friendships friendships are more common than in others? But then the the then I wonder as well the role of family because you know you wouldn't they be also your first confidant in in the sense that if it's a family that shares their feelings then you're going to be more open to sharing feelings but if it's a family where you you know don't mention your feelings it's true um, wouldn't that have also a big influence yeah clearly um but not everyone has the blessing of a family with which they feel they can be open with, entirely open with. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I come back to that slight distinction between sharing feelings and sharing what's really going on in your life. One is, one is making a connection and the other can be quite self-indulgent just Yeah, I don't think we were talking about that. Yeah, we were talking more about you know, yeah. just yeah. sharing what's going on and being real. At the, at the end of the day, it's just being real yes. with each other, you know, like, yes. I don't know. One, one of the things that I notice the most is like, when you go to Argentina, everyone talks to you on the streets. And like, to tell you the truth, because I've been here for 20 years, you get used to the way of doing things here. And then every time I go there, I get this shock because you are in an elevator that is like, one meter by one meter with another two and they go like oh my god and they share the most personal stuff (laughs) and they go in just to floor three and then you open the door and they keep talking okay bye and you go wow i know i had the same experience i think it was in in the london underground and you know how reserved um brits can be yeah and I think a, a, an American couple got on board and they were speaking with such volume. You know, hey, Wilma, have you got my ointment for my scrotal itch? <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy, the Brit, was like, <laughs> yeah, everyone's going, oh yes. my God, cringing, yeah, can you imagine? But yeah, so but, uh, that's a, that's a, off. Uh, not quite what we're talking about. No, but yes. No, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, it no, is. getting... Get, I, I think developing... I, I sense what you're on about, is developing an inner life. Um, and it's not something that's really encouraged in today's mm. culture. And, and I Why is that? that? Why do you think it's that? Well, it's, it's like you've just mentioned. There's this fascination and preoccupation with what's going on on the surface of things. Um, Facebook. Facebook blessing. May your life turn out to be as wonderful as you make it appear on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's no encouragement to develop a life that can be alone can sit with boredom, can be Mm. small, um, can accept the necessary suffering, in Jungian words, of human existence. And and our preoccupation is with ascending, success, achieving, goal-oriented, and the development of the inner life or the spiritual life is often about taking away those things, about um, becoming poor in spirit, to use the Sermon on the the Mount, to um, facing and embracing life's necessary grief and sorrow and sadness and disappointment and absurdity those things aren't really <laughs> mentioned. But, but I, think, I think a lot has something to do with this thing of we are constantly identifying ourselves with the, with the mind and the, there is a, like a really strong separation with the heart where the feelings are, well, not for Pablo, but, 
but <clears throat> well, you said, you know, like there is something to do with that because then if you don't feel everything becomes out, out, success, more money, a better job, a more good looking wife, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's all out. Yes, yes, yes. There's no feeling. And then, but usually life then hits you straight in the face because once you accomplish all those things, is you say, what happens now? I thought I was going to get all those things. I'm going to be happy. I got them, and there's this emptiness, and that's where the, you know, the the, the process starts for some people. Yes. Totally. Yes, yes. Well, you're two, talking about two slightly, I think, two slightly different things here. Um, Nick just talked about, and I agree with him, um, the, the, the sort of, you get hit by life's shit stick mm. from about age 35 onwards. Yes. Usually, usually in your 40s and almost certainly by your 50s, whether it be health, finances, relationships, you know, someone will die, someone close to you will die, some important relationship will end, uh, something will go wrong health-wise. And if they, two or three of them happen together, the whole foundation of your life is pulled out and suddenly you're swimming. Yeah, that's what it happened to me. That was my... <laughs> What I call soul storm. A midlife renaissance, as I call it. Eh? A midlife renaissance. Oh, my God. Rather than a midlife crisis. Because it, it offers you the opportunity of, of uh, starting afresh without all those expectations that you grew up with. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, so that was one issue. And, and the other issue was your issue about the mind and how controlling it is. And um, someone who I have a great deal of respect for, um, a Franciscan monk called Richard Rohr, he, he says the mind is all about gaining control mm. and, and um, because we think in such dualistic ways, it must be this or that. And yeah. just by deciding, you think <laughs> you're being clever, that's true. And you're, you're superior to someone else because I vote Democrat and they vote Republican yeah, or no. I vote Labour and they vote National. I'm yeah. agreeing, they're not. I'm for world peace and the environment and they're not. It's, you know, and it's just an, a vehicle to make yourself feel superior. But you're talking about getting beneath that yeah. into the heart space. I agree. I think it's the only way. Where, because, that's where real connection is made, not in the head, which almost inevitably leads to conflict. Exactly. As soon as you put the head, the analytical mind between two people, you're fucked. You have no real conversation. It's fucked. So, no connection. Yeah, it is, it is possible if it's, a, if it's a humility and a um, tolerance. It's great to see two very learned people um, debating something in which they're not carrying any attachment to their opinion. Yeah. It's rare, but it's, yes, it's rare. a great thing to watch. And you see two great minds um, fleshing out what they think or believe about a subject, um, but they're humble enough to realize they could be wrong and they're open to being I know, but one of the things that I know you have noticed already that I'm really opinionated and I'm really pa 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 whatever, right? But but I think that is also good because what it happens to me is like if I have like a very strong opinion of no man, the mind is not the answer. It's actually the fucking emotions. Just please listen to this. And then, you know, you're talking to a Kiwi male that doesn't hardly cry or open up and says, oh, but I, but no, like, what, what are you talking about? Feelings, that's for, you know? But even then, Mariana, I would say you're being a little binary. You're, you're oh, yeah, completely, completely. You're closing the mind to, to emotions. I am. And, and, wouldn't it be better to combine the two? 
or uh, there was a great saying, I can't remember it, but, but basically the mind uh, is a wonderful servant, but a lousy master or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, when, when the mind is in service to the heart, it's fantastic. But if it's in control, it would take you to all sorts of but, but this is the thing. The mind will always be in control if you don't feel. And that's, that's what I don't think people understand. If you don't let yourself feel, the mind just starts to talk shit because it needs to release all the shit that you don't want to feel. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my best friend is very small, but really, really also connected with the mind. And he needs to get smashed with alcohol. And he's extremely yeah. sensitive at the same time. But, but I mean, Marian, but, but sometimes if you just go only with the feelings, that's not necessarily the answer. You could, be, you could have, uh, you have reactions based on your feelings, and that's not necessarily the way. Maybe it's your way. But there's, there's people that if you just go with the feelings... Oh, I, I, you know, so it's. I don't, yeah, I don't refer <laughs> feelings as uh, I'm pissed off and I need to get it out. I'm not talking about those feelings, okay? I, I know there's feelings that arise for insecurity and past shit. I'm talking more about the, the, the self or the, the emotions, you know, like a more center thing. No, not, not, not feeling that I'm from a not reactive. Yeah, not that shit. Because I think that's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, li listening to this, you know, I did think, you know, when you were talking about that it, you need to people connect through the emotions and, and not through the, the reason. But sometimes reason is just there to justify emotions. And you'll, you'll see someone who's telling you the reasoning and you know that the reasoning is, is a justification of their emotions. So even though you think they're talking reason to reason, actually they're talking with their emotion and the reason is just justifying it. And uh, for, I mean, for example, a very, you know, controversial topic, but I just mentioned it like uh, uh, racism, right? Mm -hmm. um, if we, if you think with your mind, you think all humans are equal, there's, you know, there's no difference, but some people feel in their gut that, you know, that they, they don't like people of other races. And, and, and so sometimes just say that the emotions are the, are the truth and you just need to be guided by them because your emotions are, anim in, in a way, are animal instincts. But I'm not talking about the lower emotions, Pablo, here. It's obvious that I'm not talking about that. And, and this, is, this is the problem. If someone cannot discern between the real you and the fucked up emotions that they come from past trauma or scars, then you're fucked. But Maria, that, to... that takes time. That's not an easy of process. Of course. It's I'm like in the process. I, I'm you, baby stepping. You need to understand, okay, where this is coming from. You need to suppose who stops. And I've been in this process for a lot of years. And today, this morning, I, I got a very stupid reaction with my son. I got annoyed for a stupid thing that he's done. I'm like, you know, why do I keep doing these things? Mm. So, and I need to stop and reflect what's going on with me today, what I'm not energized today, what happened to me. But it takes a lot of time. And, and I, you know, it's a never ending, it's a never ending process. And if you, if you don't even stop, it's really hard to, to split between that emotion that you're saying, that reactive emotion, and the one that is the, the, the reason behind that emotion. Mm. The one that you need, you're talking about that, that sharing that emotion. That but, that's, that, but that's why, you know, people end up meditating because it's the only way that you can actually center yourself. Look, I'm, as I said, it's not like I'm a meditation guru or anything, but I just think that that's the best place to start from. I don't know. Yeah. In silence and with all your senses closed off, you just listen to the real shit, I think. I don't know. That's me. I, w I wanted to ask, ask a question. Is, uh, because we did mention before about, you know, maybe being lucky and being in a family where, where, where you, you, can share, you can share your emotions, your feelings. 
and compared to growing up in a family where you can't and i've got a nine-year-old son and so i was thinking how do i encourage him because then you get to those situations you know where, where you've got a teenager child and they're not gonna talk to you about all their problems they're going through and then parents then realize oh my child is not talking to me well because you want to start now you should have started you know 15 years ago yeah to develop that relationship true and so how, how do you encourage your your child to to you know open up to to share what what do you think Phil has, i think Phil, Phil has a great answer because he's an excellent dad <laughs> oh Nick. Phil? Oh, that's so sweet of you um i'm very lucky i've got two beautiful kids who are very easy to love or i've i just i feel that i have been very blessed and and i give a lot of credit to my wife or ex-wife we're still married but we're still very close mm. um who is very good much better than i am with um the children and and um Funnily enough, one of the blessings of our marital breakup was me allowing myself to raise the kids as I wanted to. Oh. So they got all the, her strengths in terms of being very emotionally real with them and, and learning those, that language of, and to become emotionally articulate. And with me, I was free to give them, to introduce them to risk and to a bit of danger, mm. and to adventure, that had we been together, I probably wouldn't have been allowed to or would not have gone there. Mm. And, and so I was, and I suppose, <clears throat> If I've done one thing well as a parent, it's I always had the view that I was my children were my equal. The only advantage I had over them is that I'd been around the sun a few more times. So I had some life experience and life wisdom, but other than that, um, we were equals and it was not for me to impose my will and impose my views on them. Children will pick up without you being. How did you do that? That's amazing. Didactic and and and. Um, well, I've I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it a lot. Where where fathers are just have too heavy a hand on their children, um, and it's un completely unnecessary. Yeah, but how do you, but how do you then connect with <clears throat> with them? How how do you develop this connection where you know you can talk and then they talk to you back and that there is this relationship? I, I, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's rocket science. If your children pick up, a lot of it's just energy, of course. If mm. your children pick up that your energy is is one of loving acceptance mm. and you're they're safe with you yeah that's true you know mm. you're, you're 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 fun you stuff up and you know the number of times i've had to say sorry to my kids because like nick was sharing you know you, you overreact and you say something dumb or you regret or you know and, and i've had to go to my kids and and say <laughs> please i'm in case they ever see this i'm not pretending that i'm the perfect dad but Many times I've had to go and say, I'm sorry, I, I stuffed up there. And so it's basically like another relationship. It's not it, different. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sharing, sharing, sharing. Yeah, with them. Well, I don't have kids, so it's like, I, I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's, it's talk, been but. for me one of the richest, if not the richest thing I've ever done in my life. Everyone says that. Richest experience. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful to it. And, and of course, they force you to grow up because you're no longer, you're no longer the center of the universe. You, you get that, yeah, much that illusion kicked out of you fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, suddenly 
these little units are the center of certainly your wife's universe and you're some satellite <laughs> orbiting around her and the baby. Um, so that takes some readjusting. Um, but it's probably a good thing. Pablo, did that help at all for you, for your question? It's, it's interesting because I, I, I have that view that, that you know, your, your children are equal. I, I had that view. And I remember saying it to a friend and he talked to someone who's supposed to not, I don't know, had some expertise. And because I told, you know, I, I, sometimes I tell my, my son, I said, friend, like I treated, hey, friend, hey, amigo. And, and so my friend then came back and said, actually, um, she said that uh, children don't need a friend, need a dad. Fuck. Yeah, I've heard that before too. And yeah. um, I'm not sure. Uh, I've heard that, yeah. You're supposed to be a parent, not a, not a friend. And, and there's a certain truth to that. Um, ultimately, there are situations where you have to be the adult. They're just not capable. <clears throat> Obviously, it depends on the age. But, for example, Nick's, the age of Nick's kids, they're just not capable of <laughs> saying or doing the right thing or knowing what's the appropriate thing to do in, in many situations. And they will say stuff that's really hurtful to you. And you can't behave like another five-year-old exactly. and get and get all ridiculous and defensive and violent because you've been hurt. You've got to be the adult in that situation. So in that sense, it's very true. You're, you're not their friend, you're their, you're their parent. But I think the underground, underground the, the substratum of the relationship is one of loving, tenderness and acceptance as you're a fellow human being and I am uh, fortunate enough to have your care for a few years on this planet before I move on and what a privilege it is and may we have a wonderful connection while I'm here and whatever you learn from me I hope it's good and you can pass it on to the next generation. Wow. It's funny because we were we were we were talking about feelings and and being truthful, but then of course, uh, parenthood comes because I think that's that's a, a really huge test for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Because it just like puts a mirror in. If you cannot connect with your kid, then you really really have to look <laughs> look deeper. Yeah, but but also because maybe that's where sometimes society may be failing at the family level. Oh, of course. Uh, right? Where you have families that are non-functional, they're not connecting, they're oh. watching TV at dinner time. And, and so... In you, New Zealand, want... it's very, very, very common that everyone has seen their parents pissed. And in Argentina, I don't know, have you seen your parents drunk? I haven't. Have you? I never... Well... That's not quite. I was about to say I've never seen my parents drunk. I certainly never saw my father drunk. Um, but 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 it's you know it's quite common this thing or the mother with the 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 glass of of wine. I'm you know I'm, I'm not saying I'm not criticizing the culture, but I I understand why they end up you know drinking the bottle of the bottles of feelings that that you know. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit like. Yeah, don't know what to say about that. I don't know whether alcoholism is a bigger problem here than it is in, in your country. Cool. I don't well, know. I haven't been in Argentina <laughs> for 20 years. I think things changed, you know. However, even today when I go, if there is a big barbecue in, uh, at 12 p.m. during the day, I was the only one drinking a glass of wine and everyone was like, and we, we're talking about 40, 50 or so people and they are like with the Fanta Sprite. And for me, that was weird because I'm not used to that anymore. It's interesting you should say that because I remember one of my wife's um, powerful impressions when she first arrived in New Zealand was watching, particularly women, 
sharing a bottle or two of wine together. Ah, I couldn't believe she said, that. That never happens in Latin America. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. It, yeah. We, uh, I don't know if we should be wrapping up. Yes. And, okay. Um, so, do you have any other thoughts or anything else you'd like to share with us, Phil, today? Um. Uh, Sorry, to <laughs> mind, other than thank you for this for this opportunity um yeah that does it does it did it feel good to you do you feel like i don't know i don't know do you feel something like good or bad after this talk i always enjoy opportunities like this to make connections with people who for whom who get below the surface of things. Um, a lot of frustration comes from social settings where you're, you, you know, you're in a social setting and no one's actually talking about anything that means anything. Can I ask you, what do you do in those situations? What do you get depressed and you leave or you stay because you have to like what? Um, I wish I could say I had the right answer. Uh, in every situation, I, I certainly don't. I try to make take responsibility for the situation in terms of it's my job to. I I, th I think that everyone carries a secret and heavy burden. Someone said, mm. and 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 there's a richness and a mystery to every person. And my, I'd like to develop the skill of calling that out when I meet someone and, and learning to be just skillful in, in drawing them out. Mm. And it's when it, it's a fault of my own. If I can't in a social situation, get deeper with someone, it's often difficult in a group setting because everyone's too afraid to be vulnerable. But if I can get one-on-ones with someone, yeah, um, so much better. <laughs> you know, why, why, if they're not sharing with me, it's because I'm not making them feel safe. Sure. And yeah. if I can, as Nick said, be vulnerable with them, then that gives them license to be vulnerable with me. Not Vulnerability. That's, that's the key, Phil. You said it. You said it. <laughs> okay. I wanted to say that, you know, I feel great about this episode. And to celebrate, I'm going to go and drink some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Only one. Oh my God! Shut up. He's not. <laughs> okay, Phil. So we have to train you because I'm sure you will be back. That we go uno, dos, tres, and then we put the camera there, and then we finish. Okay. 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 Okay, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mario. That was wonderful. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening and thanks Phil for joining us. Do you want to be our guest? If so, please write to us at boo at beautifulgoals.org. And if you haven't done already, please follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash beautifulgoals podcast.